the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. He presents Rob Black in Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's Business Leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. January 15th, 2014. Took a day off. Hopefully you didn't miss me too much. Um, and if you did, that's A-OK. We talk markets on the show. We talk economy. We talk stock picking. Uh, we talk about the different areas of improvements in our lives. Um, I just got a new beta for my phone called Aviate, A-V-I-A-T-E, and we'll talk about that. Um, a couple other things we can talk about. Um, I'm going to go over some stocks in the market that I like now. We're going to talk with economist today, Dr. Jeff Rosen from briefing.com. Tomorrow we're going to talk with... Someone from The Wire, The Deal, I'm sorry, TheDeal.com, talking about um, Red Lobster. And I, again, you know me. These stories are all relevant, and they all are ways you can make money. Everything I talk about are ways you can make money. You know, darted restaurants, and, and I won't give away the whole kit and caboodle here, but Americans' tastes are changing. Um, and as they change, I think it's painfully obvious of the shift from casual restaurants I have said to loved ones, I've said to friends, I've said to family, um, I would rather die than go to Olive Garden. Like, let's just quit. When you start wearing sweatpants as your clothes of choice for the day, you've quit, you've given up. You've basically said, I don't care about how I look in public. Now again, people who work at Olive Garden, I'm not disparaging you. I'm just saying, I only have so much time left on this planet, and I really don't want to eat processed, awful food. So anyway, um, we'll talk about Red Lobster and what's happening there tomorrow. We'll talk about Bank of America, my favorite sector, banking, in the United States. You should have some exposure to it. Please consider it. I know you hate banks. Um, I do, too. Um, you know, every time I go into my Bank of America uh, locally, it, it feels like, wow, this is kind of desolate. It honestly feels like something from the movie Oblivion, where mankind has been nuked and they're trying to rebuild ever so slowly. It, it doesn't feel warm and fuzzy in Bank of America. And the bank is honestly too big. It feels like a football field in there. They've got six or seven employees. They've got six to ten uh, customers. Uh, they've got the employee over in the corner who's trying to sell mortgages. The employee over in the corner who's trying to sell mutual funds. It's typically a guy who's like 23 years old wearing a bad-fitting suit from Macy's. It's tragic. And you know, some people are like, I should get a mortgage from a bank. No, you shouldn't get a mortgage from your bank. You should get a mortgage from a mortgage lender. People are like, I should get investments from a bank. No, you shouldn't. You should get investments from an investment professional. Banks are cookie cutters. 
So we'll talk about all of this. Bank of America, and again, it's my favorite sector, and here I am bashing it, right? Uh, things that we could talk about. Um, had a little procedure done. It's not a nip and tuck. It's nothing terrible. But um, recovery's a little slower, so if I, I drool, it's probably because I'm heavily medicated. Uh, Weather Channel. This is a fascinating story. Again, telling you, the more things change, well, they change. It's not that they stay the same. Weather Channel CEO David Kinney says it's possible that DirecTV may never carry his programming again. DirecTV currently has Weather Channel blacked out on its system over a contract dispute. We've heard about these contract disputes in the past, whether it be CBS and football, or whether it be Comcast and you know your local sports stations. DirecTV has to pay to run these channels. And DirecTV knows you're watching what channels, and they know that we can only afford and we need to make X amount of dollars here and there. Okay, what does this tell you? I'm looking at a web page right now, and you know in the little advertisement sector segment, little box, up pops Leapfrog Explorer, My Little Pony Friendship. <laughs> um, you know how you have cookies that track what you're doing on your computer, and then you see, suddenly see ads about that? What does Leapfrog's Explorer, My Little Pony Friendship, tell you that I've been doing <laughs> the Internet when I shouldn't be doing the Internet? Anyway, um, so Weather Channel CEO says we may never be there again. What's interesting about this is DirecTV's making the argument that the audience has declined due to people using mobile apps. Now, I don't go to Weather Channel anymore. I don't watch local television for weather anymore. If I do, I used to do it maybe... 50 times a year now. I do it maybe 10 times a year. Um, so we're using apps more and more and more. People don't believe in TV. People do believe in the NFL. DirecTV wants Weather Channel to take a 20% cut because they say they've got 19% viewers on the Weather Channel station. Now the Weather Channel is trying to fight this by like doing Hawaii Boat Rescue. Extreme weather. They're naming storms. They're naming snowstorms, which is ridiculous. But they're trying to get you to like get caught up in the drama of storms. So Weather Channel's dying. And I can't imagine anyone under the age of 35 saying, I want to go home and watch the Weather Channel and see what's going on. Now, I know when you're 65, 70 and you're lonely, I know that you think that person on the Weather Channel's talking to you. I get it. I get it. But again, things change. Businesses completely get decimated. I can imagine a day where the Weather Channel won't be a channel. It may be 10, 15 years from now, but it's already starting to happen. Oh. Um, there's a real negative story out there about net neutrality. And I take a day off and net neutrality gets repealed, which basically could be a really bad thing for companies um, like Netflix. Net neutrality means companies, high-speed Internet companies, whether they be the ISPs, the Verizons, the ATTs, the Comcast modems, they can't favor traffic. It all has to go through. But now a judge basically said the FCC messed it up. And it's going to be a challenge. And in, in, in no way, shape, or form does this mean um, cable will now be able to say, you know what, if you download our movie, we'll get it to you in one second. But if you download a Netflix movie, it's going to take you four hours. That's what it's being set up for. And that's something that I think would upset many, many, many Americans. And the federal judge basically said, you know, if you don't like it, go get another ISP. So maybe there'll be ISPs that cater towards net neutrality and some that don't. Um, and then there could always be sponsored speeds, which is crazy to think about where Microsoft could say, you know what, we'll give you all of our content at our websites for you know super fast blazing speeds. 
And Google could say, you know what, no, we won't do it. You're going to have to pay for our good, high-quality content. Um, so the S&P 500 is up 8 today. The Dow is up 85 today. NASDAQ's up 28. Anything you want to talk about today, we can talk about. I welcome interaction. I welcome feedback. Um, you want to talk about banks? Let's talk banks. You want to talk about what I find humorous, Tesla. Tesla doesn't sell a lot of cars. And, you know, Ford sells more cars in, like, probably two days than Tesla will sell all year. And Tesla's getting a recall on their software. And CEO Elon Musk is like, it's not a recall, it's not a recall, it's a software update. Um, that's kind of where we are right now. It's all, you know, semantics, kind of. In a funny way. Um, I don't know if you find that funny. I find that funny. Let's get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. Tesla, the maker of high-end electric cars, rose the highest price in more than two months. They delivered 6,900 Model S sedans in the fourth quarter. Um, so they're beating their expectations. Um, but they're also seeing a lot of stupid stuff, like sales up 100% in China. They went from one to two. Like, come on. Come on! Sales of battery-powered vehicles priced from about $70,000, totaled 22450 last year. Um, the company had aimed to sell 21500 so they beat that expectation by a little over 1000 They think revenue in the fourth quarter is going to exceed expectations by about 20%. That's cute. Got a big event coming up tomorrow night and a newsletter coming out sometime in the next 24 hours. You can learn m- more about both at robblack.com. It's Retirement Planning Bond Alternative Seminar at Palo Alto Elks Lodge. Tomorrow, 630 to 9. Um, don't run out of money in retirement. Have your income replace what it draws down on as much as possible and fight inflation. Learn more and sign up at the Elks Club thing tomorrow night at robblack.com. Bloomberg Market Minute. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Google spends billions of dollars to get inside your home with Nest. Google, to me, is pretty obviously what Apple was five to seven years ago. They, they want to get product out. They want to get product in your hands. They want product to change your life. Apple now is kind of becoming the BMW, where they want to be exclusive, and they're good with that. Will they continue to focus on new product? Probably. But it seems at a much slower pace than anyone wants. Google is Apple. How do you play this investment? You own them both. Apple's trading at roughly 10 times earnings. Google's trading at roughly 20 times earnings. You own them both. Thus, you get a little sexy sexy from Google, plus you get a lot of profits from Apple. Consult a broker advisor for taking action on your stocks mentioned during the show. I own both Google and Apple. 
800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. The SP 500's up 8, the Dow up 98, and the NASDAQ up 26. Let's welcome in CFP Chad Burton. Chad Burton is a financial planner. We talk retirement and wealth issues all the time. Let's talk about the concept of rebalancing your portfolio. I think we all know the concept while we're working. Keep a look at it. Make sure nothing gets too overweighted or too underweighted in your portfolio. Uh, that's when you're working. But mm-hmm. what about in retirement? What concepts do we need to know? Well, let's talk about first why you rebalance, because things like asset classes go through different rotation periods. And I've talked about the Callan periodic table investments, and you can Google that and find this. And you can see the sectors or asset classes, as soon as they make, you know, they're the best place to be for two or three years in a row. Within a couple of years, they're the worst place to be in the last in those two or three years in a row. And so when you see them hit the ring the bell, especially for like three years in a row, or when you see an asset class like REITs all of a sudden rally up 15% when they're really a yield play, you know it's time to take some profits and buy stuff that's been down. Um, so you, you're always looking for your investment choices where you want a good 10-year average rate of return, and it's got to be risk-adjusted. In other words, low standard deviation, low beta. Um, and when you see something that has a great long-term rate of return sell off for a period of a year or two, that's when you want to buy it. That's when you get the real great returns that help you outperform in the long run on a risk-adjusted basis. So that's how you rebalance. The easiest way for, for a person pre-retirement to rebalance is to just turn on their re- automatic rebalancer on the 401K. Almost every single one has it, where every year at a certain month, um, it'll rebalance everything back to your original choices. A more active person will use their contributions to change their asset allocation and to rebalance. In other words, if they look in their portfolio and see they're overweight, in large cap and underweight in international, they'll stop adding to large cap and start buying international. Make sense? Absolutely. But if um, you know, you're in retirement, it becomes a different story. Your rebalancing situation looks like this. You have your different pieces of your portfolio. I like your three years' worth of expenses in cash, a balanced portfolio, um, a dividend-paying stock portfolio, and some other income that's guaranteed for life. And so what I do when I rebalance and I look at things, the first thing I look at is how much of their three years' worth of expenses in cash did they spend. So if the market's positive for that quarter, I'll peel off enough out of the portfolios to replenish their cash. And then I'll look to rebalance inside the portfolios. So the first thing you look at is how can I always peel off the house money in the good times to replenish the cash that I'm spending. So I always keep my three years worth of of safety reserve to get me through bad economies intact. Okay. So that's, that's, it's, it's really important to kind of monitor it a little bit more closely in retirement and more on a quarterly basis. Most younger people in their 20s and 30s, they could rebalance once a year and still be okay as long as they're actively saving. So for you at work, you're in your office, do you have a flag that says, take a look at, should I be rebalancing today, this month, this quarter? Like, when do you remind yourself, like, I need to do this? Um, well, it, it, on a quarterly basis, if the market's negative, you just rebalance inside the portfolios. Okay. But if the market's positive and it's in a big way, let's say it's a 7% quarter, for example. Right, which is what we then, had first quarter of 2012. Right, and so you, you talk to the clients that are retired, and you constantly have to remind them that you need the three years' worth of expenses and cash. So the quarterly review process becomes, look, here's what your portfolio did. What do your cash levels look like? Okay. Most of the time I can see on a wealth management site that we have for clients, I can see the amount of cash, and we can go ahead and send that to them. Gotcha. But it's an active communication situation. Uh, most of the strategies that I see people pitch out there are, here, I'm going to set up this strategy, and I'm never going to talk to you again. I'm going to sell you a bunch of crappy product, and then don't please don't call me for 15 years. <laughs> That's not how it should be in retirement. It's your money. 
it's the only thing that you have left to live on until you're 100 years old, so you better be a little bit more proactive about it. NBA is now starting to put advertisements on jerseys. Have you ever considered putting an advertisement on your business suit? Sell ads. <laughs> you're doing these quarterly reviews. I'm trying to think well, what would be on that. Something like Milk of Magnesia or something. <laughs> Depends. <laughs> depends. I like it. You're telling, you're telling me your clients wear depends. <laughs> nope. You're going on the record. Yeah. Okay, so what else do we need to know about rebalancing? Um, is it easier than we think? Is it something I, you should let a professional do? I think it's the hardest thing that people do because it's easy to buy, but the hardest time, the hardest thing that people have trouble with in investing is when to sell. Yeah. And so by creating pieces of your portfolio and a certain asset allocation level. So you have, you know, you got your three years worth of expenses in cash. That's something you have to keep intact. That means you know you have to sell gains in order to keep that intact. Okay. And then you have an, a, an asset allocation plan that has a certain amount in, in stocks, bonds, real estate, commodities, alternatives, all of that in the portfolio. You set those parameters, and you know you have to sell when those parameters are out of whack. Okay. Um, I think that's about it for this topic. I think we've... Beat it to death, so to speak. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you can meet Chad at an upcoming Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning event. You can find out more about those at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. You can meet Chad yourself. Say you need a CFP. Say this is you know rocket science to you. Say this is difficult stuff to understand and comprehend. Financial planners are good, good, solid ideas for people in retirement. You don't have time to make up your mistakes. Don't make mistakes. You can find Chad at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black. Fun fact of the day is it would take a 1,000 years to watch every video currently on YouTube. YouTube recently launched a channel earlier this week that's tied towards a recap show of the best of the web on YouTube. Um, That should scare cable companies. And again, net neutrality other issues tied towards it, but YouTube's quickly figuring out how we can get people to stay for 30 minutes, how we can get people to stay for an hour. If YouTube were to buy the NFL package next year on Thursday nights, it would be a massive game changer on streaming versus broadcasting. Streaming looks to be the winner. Broadcasting don't count them out, but you get the idea. Big event coming up Thursday night, Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. That's tomorrow night, 6.39. It's a wealth preservation income and retirement event. You can sign up at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. It's tomorrow night, Palo Alto, Elks Lodge. Hope to see you there. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Delta Airlines is the second biggest year-to-date gainer. 
Number one, Beam. Jim Beam, maker of smarts, being sold to a foreign investor. Here's the good news inside the numbers today. Two things. S&P 500 is back into record territory. <laughs> pretty rich. Pretty rich I am. And uh, transports hit a new record. Uh, transports are hitting a new record. Transports are important because think of transports as boats, planes, and trains. We ship things that we're going to consume. Ultimately is what it comes down to. They are a leading indicator. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. Chad Burton is going to join me tomorrow night in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. We're going to teach everyone the secret Elks Lodge handshake, plus income strategies in retirement, wealth preservation, retirement, and much, much more. How are you, Mr. Burton? Good, good. I'm trying to find my hat that has antlers on it so I can wear it. Didn't you just watch... Didn't you used to watch the Flintstones and just go, one day when I'm old, I'm going to be like Fred Flintstone and be in the Moose Club or the Moose Lodge? <laughs> that's, that's my goal. It was my goal, and I, for some reason I never got there. The water buffalo. I don't buffaloes. Join clubs anymore. Yeah, you know, I've thought about it, but um, the water buffaloes would not have me. So, Chad Burton, you sat in for me yesterday, and everyone, the, the reviews are in, and they're a rave. People loved it. Oh, good. So two people emailed you? Uh, no, I just made it up. Okay. <laughs> so zero emails. Zero emails. People didn't even notice. Um, actually, they noticed. You do a high-quality job. You're a certified financial planner. You bring a different perspective to this. Um, any thoughts, any um, things that we're going to talk about tomorrow that you want to bring up now and kind of promote? Yeah. Um, did you ever watch Desperate Housewives at all? I know the show. Um, a lot of uh, plastic surgery. A lot of desperate plastic surgery. Yeah, the, the, and I will admit I watched a couple of them. And the one character that always stood out is one that I think you and I have talked about before is the the older lady that uh, you know lived on the block. She's kind of cranky, and um, it was found out later in the show that she had her husband had died, and she had stuck him in the freezer in the basement. Oh, I love that. So she could continue to collect the Social Security and pension check. And she got in trouble for it, and she came back and explained it to everybody. It says, look, he died. I was going through the paperwork, died at night, and realized that once he died, his pension was completely gone. Um, half of the Social Security was going to go away, and I was going to be poor. So I stuck in the freezer and continued to take the checks. That's what she did. And one of the key uh, points that I have on, on the website, newfocusfinancial.com, in the resource section, there's the 10 pillars of retirement income planning. Um, and the points will hit them all on uh, Thursday night, is making sure that you have a plan for the surviving spouse. Um, now, a lot of people that are retired have pensions now, and they have Social Security. And the way it works on Social Security is when one person dies, a smaller check goes away, and the survivor keeps the bigger check, no matter whose it was. Um, but on pensions, people had retired. If people have been retired for a while and they actually have a pension, the benefits are very. Some people took the option that they took the highest payout and maybe bought life insurance or maybe didn't. But when that payout, when they die, the payout's gone. Or maybe it's 50% to your spouse or 70%. Or you look into it and you say, well, let's do some long-term cash flow projections. And if one of you goes into a nursing home, adult daycare, assisted living facility, the varying costs from you know 60 to 100 grand a year, what happens if you go in for three or four years and then you pass away? How much money is left for the surviving spouse? Can they survive? And if you haven't bought long-term care insurance or you can't afford it, what's plan B? Are you going to reverse mortgage the house? Are you going to sell the house? Are you going to take a loan from one of the kids, you know, what are you going to do? So you really have to have a plan 
for protecting your surviving spouse if if um, you know certain items go away at your death. You really need to model that out. That's really really difficult, and I'm glad that you talk about issues like this. And we're going to be talking tomorrow night again, Palo Alto Oaks Lodge, six thirty nine. You can sign up at robblack.com. I think it's difficult, Chad, because. You know, I think we're all kind of guilty of being lazy on some financial planning issue. Whatever it is, we're all kind of lazy. And when it deals with death and when it deals with Social Security, no one really wants to deal with it until the day we have to deal with it. Um, right. Kind of true. It's funny. it's funny because when when everybody's younger, Rob, yeah. they first have kids, the first thing they want to do is go get life insurance because it's such a dramatic thought. Instead of looking at disability insurance, which is even more important, they look at life insurance. And then once people get older... They don't want to think about their death. They don't want to think about those what-if scenarios. And, you know, and it could put your survivors in a pretty bad spot if you don't. It's interesting that you say that because when I was born, my mother was basically like, there, I'm done. You're on your own. I I carried you for nine months. I owe you no college. I owe you no life insurance. She kind of was kind of simple in her thinking, but she was kind of right on one level. But on the other level, there is that extreme that we do want to provide for our children. And my mom was clearly joking, but it's worth noting. She's just trying to toughen you up, sissy boy. <laughs> You'd be nice to me. So I'm recovering. So um, yeah, yeah, you are. Okay, so back to the event. Um, income in retirement. Uh, what are we looking for? 2% returns, 3% returns. I know some people have approached the show going, you know, annually mortgage has got a 12% dividend yield. That's what I want in my retirement. Yeah, what that, that num- got what's far the- last year, didn't it? Absolutely. got them into trouble because the equity yep. wasn't as secure as the income was. But uh, what number would you look for? People are making is investing for income rather than creating a good portfolio and then having a distribution plan. Because what you're investing in can change from time to time, whether it's high yielders, dividend achievers, or growth or value. Those those things change in terms of market cycles and where we are in the market cycle. So your main distribution strategy has to be intact, which is having cash, turning on the tap for your dividends and interest to feed your cash, having some alternative uh, retirement products in there that you know give you some lifetime income regardless of what the market does. And then on good quarters, good six-month periods when the market rallies huge like it did last quarter, peel off some of the growth to replenish the cash that you spent. And you just it's a constant monitoring situation in retirement, a little bit more monitoring even when you're younger. I mean, literally a 20- or 30-year-old could set an aggressive portfolio in their 401K and rebalance once a year and get to a million dollars, $2 million, $3 million by the time they're 65 by consistent savings. In retirement, actually, it's, it's, it's actually a little bit more monitoring right now. We can't just go out and do a you know, 15, 20-year bond ladder with 50% of the portfolio right now with where interest rates are. Um, because if inflation rears its head from all the money printing in five years that, that governments around the world have done, if you're stuck in a long-term bond ladder, you're done. Your inflation is going to eat up your, the power of your money, and you're going to feel poor. Which is interesting because 20 years ago, bond ladders were all the rage. And that's not so the case anymore. When interest rates went as low as they did, bond ladders didn't make a lot of sense. When interest rates are 6, 7, 8, 9%, bond ladders make a ton of sense for CDs. And you, know, you buy three years, two years, one year, and the money's always maturing and replacing the other year. You buy the three year again, and ages it matures. And it's just not applicable anymore. 
no, at, no, this, I mean, at this point in history. Ten years ago, ten years ago, we could go into some bond ladders and simply hedge that inflation risk with some commodities exposure and tips, um, and, and be happy. I mean, right now commodities look horrible. Um, oil looks like it would is going to go lower because we have so much coming online in North America. We have a deal with Iran out there. Um, so commodities and not everything, but in general, um, since there's no inflation and we have a stronger dollar, you know, you can't just simply, okay, I'm going to use commodities and go out long on my bonds. That's, that's a great environment to be in. That's a fun, easy environment for you and I. That's not where we are right now. Anything else that we need to talk about for tomorrow night at the Elks Club in Palo Alto, 6.30-9? Anything that we need to highlight, get the last second push for, people can sign up at robblack.com. Yeah, we did not Go ahead. Calculate the cost of retirement, trying to figure out if you have enough. You know, if you think you're within 10 years from retirement or in retirement, you're wondering what to do. I mean, this is, this is why we do this event. Absolutely. And um, you have what's called 10 Pillars of Retirement. What is this? It's at your website. People could download it. What's it all about? It's key points. I mean, you can go through this checklist, and if you haven't gone through this checklist, then you can answer these questions. Um, you're not ready for retirement. You haven't prepared enough. You don't really truly know the costs and the risks, and you haven't set up your portfolio correctly. So you're probably subject to either way too conservative investing or way too aggressive investing. It's interesting. One of the big things of retirement, and I don't know if you're going to talk about this tomorrow night, but for me, I've got more than enough to retire in probably like 40 states, but there's some states that are just too expensive for me to retire in due to taxes and tax consequences. Um, that's just such an odd concept that you know certain states are better than others. Uh, a lot of things that people need to put their heads around. Yeah, especially in states where, where you've had an investor-led real estate boom versus a family formation real estate boom. I mean, family formations are down, so people need to consider that if they're depending on their house or retirement proceeds. Talk about that for one more second, an investor-led versus a household formation-led. Yeah, so... What what we're seeing in some of the numbers that are coming out, obviously the housing market is more than recovered and is strong. Interest rates are low. The thing that can pressure it as interest rates do come up on the 10-year Treasury and mortgage rates rise, you're then dependent on you know population growth and, and household growth so that single-family homes you know have that high, high demand. Well, household formations are actually trending down. Part of this because of youth unemployment and people just aren't getting married and having kids at the rate they used to, Rob. So it's, it's something that uh, we've got this older demographic trend and less people getting married and having kids right now. So kind of Japan-like in a sense. Thanks very much. It's CFP Chad Burton. Tomorrow night, come meet myself and Chad, Palo Alto Elks Lodge. Thursday evening, 6.30 to 9. You can sign up for the Retirement Planning and Bond Alternative Seminar at robblack.com. AM 1220 KDO. Stocks are holding on to their gains, extending the biggest... The workers of these fulfillment, there haven't been more unionization attempts. S&P 500 index up 7 points at 18.46, a gain of 0.4%. NASDAQ up 19, a gain of 0.5%. Dow Industrials up 94 points, a gain of 0.6%. That's a Bloomberg Market Minute. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station.
Thanks for listening to the show. I do appreciate it. Rob Black and your money. A show that literally has your money in the name. It's not you. I want to stop you from making mistakes. I want to help you play the game. Um, and there's going to be times where it doesn't work. It doesn't mean you're wrong. It doesn't mean you lose. There's going to be times of underperformance. There's going to be times of sideways. Um, it's going to be interesting to watch the markets in the future. As we are a nation that we may get back to Reaganomics. We may not get back to Reaganomics. Uh, we may start saying, now let's give more to as many as we can. Take uh, from the well off to give to the less well off. I don't know. I, all I can do is I can call it like I see it here. The 2013 Global Mobile Internet Service revenue estimated to have grown 23.4%, roughly $300 billion. I saw Google buy a company called Nest while I took the day off yesterday, and that's fascinating. Um, Nest is a digital thermostat that doesn't get the best user reviews, but it gets just glorious, loving, like, uh, tech site reviews. Users say, like, my house froze, pipes burst, my house turned into a sauna. But Google's paying $3.2 billion for it. And again, you just keep looking at Apple has so much money. That's laughing money to them. Then you look at, you know, they could have bought Netflix at one point in time. They could have bought a lot of companies at one point in time. Um, Pandora. But they also highlighted that Pandora is an app on their phone, which they sell at a premium price. So Google's buying Nest Labs for $3.2 billion, and it's this whole Internet of Things concept that has got a lot of people kind of becoming kind of douchey the way they talk about it. Um, You just kind of like look smarmy talking that way. So Nest Labs also has some Internet-connected smoke detectors. A lot of what's going to be happening in these thermostats and smoke detectors is there's a lot more sensors that are now a lot cheaper. And there's no reason why we can't have a smarter home that, you know, finds carbon monoxide or smoke detectors. Um, smoke detector that works with a thermostat. You know, it's supposed to be a better smoke detector. It's supposed to be a better thermostat. When a sensor can tell that you're not home, why not turn down the heat? In case you forgot to. When a sensor knows that you leave for work at 6, why not turn up the heat at 5.30 so you wake up to a nice warm house? That's kind of what that's all about. And for $250, it's another product that's already sold over a million units that app that Google's now getting into Home Depot. They're getting into more products. I'm not saying this is a no-brainer for them. I'm not saying that they couldn't have done it on their own, but they're buying a lot of research and development, and they're buying a lot of you know management team that knows how to get product developed and put in Home Depot. Uh, every time I walk by one in Home Depot, I'm like, ooh, ooh. Now, in the first hour, I talked a little bit about Google's kind of the product gadget company that Apple was perceived to be seven years ago. And Apple's turned into the BMW and not the Ford, you know. BMW could sell a lot more vehicles if they lower the prices. They're not going to. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Pandora announced the launch of a personalized station recommendations in the Pandora mobile app. The new feature, now available on iOS, leverages the company's advanced recommendation technology to suggest new station ideas based on current listings. And that's got that stock moving a little bit higher today. I don't see that as all that in a bucket of chicken. I see that their growth rate 
has been pretty good as far as minutes streamed. Now, again, one of the big stories out today is net neutrality. Or kind of yesterday, but people are starting to figure it out today. Verizon won a victory that basically said they're allowed to throttle down Netflix and Pandora if they want to give preference to Microsoft, who pays the money for their content to be delivered. They're allowed to throttle down Netflix if they want to up and tell you, look, you can get our movie service, which is similar to Netflix, but ours is four times faster on Verizon Networks or on Comcast. This is going to get challenged, and eventually it's going to be looked at again. Networks are incredibly expensive to build, so you kind of get both sides of the story here. I think you do. Uh, If we lived in a utopia, uh, we'd all be so, so happy, and everything would be just perfect. But then we'd start eating poor people's livers because we could, and liver tastes delicious. So every utopian fantasy kind of has a a bad ending because there is no such thing as perfection. Something goes bad. Get your calls in there. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money investing and more. World Bank is boosting 2014 global GDP growth from 3% to 3.2%. That's nice. Whether or not it comes to fruition, it's nice to see it moving in a positive direction. Treasury slide following hotter than expected December uh, producer price index. Um, showing you a little bit of inflation. Ten-year Treasury sits at 2.9%. NASDAQ up 21. The net Dow up 96. The S&P 500 up 7. Oil sits at $93 a barrel. Gold sits at 12.34 an ounce. Netflix is down 4% today on that whole net neutrality issue. Um, so it's not something to totally laugh off, but you can do with it what you want to. Bank of America saw the profit quadruple. Okay. Let's imagine you and your sugar booger. And you come home and you tell your sugar booger, Sugar booger, I got a quadrupling of income this quarter. Your sugar booger is probably going to be pretty sweet on you. It might be time for a massage. It might be time for a little love. It might be time for a nice meal. And that's what's happening today with Bank of America. Bank of America came to us and said, Hey, we quadrupled our profit. We earned $3.4 billion dollars. And Wall Street's giving it some love. It's giving it a back massage. J.P. Morgan, Wells Fargo reporting declines in the mortgage business yesterday. Bank of America did too. So there is a disappointment inside the banking numbers. It's tied towards mortgages. What's tied towards mortgages? The price of your home. You want a healthy mortgage market. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Tomorrow night, going to be in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. From 6.30 to 9, you can learn more about the event at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. I will give away two free tickets to anyone who emails me right now, rob at robblack.com, with the subject line, Rob Black. Take a break here. We'll be right back. And opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network. This thing, your money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you. At 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. 
Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Happy January 15th. So we are 124th done with the year. I know you're saying, really? We are 11 months away from being in the thick of Christmas spirit. Time flies. And you have to do everything you can to save as much money as you can to make sure that it lasts as long as it can. You don't want to run out of money in retirement. You don't want to count on Social Security to be anything other than a supplement. And a supplement, much like a vitamin, isn't perfect. A lot of the supplement just goes straight to your urine, right out your body, and never gets absorbed. A supplement in the world of Social Security, a lot of it goes straight to Medicare. A lot of it goes to health care costs, taxes, both on a state level, on a sales tax level. If it were all that in a bucket of chicken, I would tell you, you really should go to Turkey, the middle level of Turkey, middle part of the peninsula in Turkey. It's got some gorgeous cliffs. You really should travel to Egypt and see those uh, uh, sphinxes and sphinx eyes and sphinxes and pyramids. Uh, but I can't say that. I want you to have fun, but I also want you to tone it down a little bit. Coming up this hour, I'm going to be uh, talking with the one, the only, Dr. Jeff Rosen from briefing.com. He's an economist. Also going to be talking about what's working on Wall Street and why on a day-by-day basis. One of the things I want you to stop doing is getting hoaxed and getting scammed and getting ripped off. Um, be careful of the whole knock-knock, you know, people come to your house. Just be cautious. These aren't the best of times, and some people are doing aggressive things to try to rip you off. Start out there. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. You really want to know your expenses in life. You want to know what you're going to be getting roughly in Social Security. You want to fight the IRS as much as you can with paying taxes. So you want to be tax efficient. You want to harvest losses in taxable accounts. You want to offset current and future gains. Um, a little bit of a science, but a lot of an art. To learn more about wealth preservation retirement planning, tomorrow night you're going to be doing an event in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. And it's a good chance for you to come out. Last hour I said I had a couple extra free tickets. Um, no one email, has emailed me yet, but first person to email me will get two tickets free. It's $5 otherwise. One ticket will get you two people. Uh, not trying to rip you off, not trying to do anything like that. Just trying to keep um, really, really crazy people from showing up. Like I don't like people showing up three, four, five, six, seven times because I think they're kind of crazy. A lot of people try to manage their portfolio. And it's incredibly complex. And it's one thing to get a lot of information. I think that's really, really important. But... I wouldn't get a lot of information from a lot of sources. I would cut your sources down to very, very few of trusted sources because I think that's the way you're going to get the best information. Um, Just my opinion. Just my opinion. If you want to spend hours and hours and hours and hours and hours thinking that all different radio show hosts and television people and newsletters somehow equals a great thing for you, I, I think you have too much time on your hands. Google's buying Nest for $3.2 billion. Uh, our house will be different in 10 years. It's fair to say that you know 20% of Americans want solar. How will that look 10 years from now versus 10 years ago? You know, uh, Google buying Nest uh, really shows you they're throwing a lot of money at acquisitions right now when a lot of people aren't throwing a lot of money at acquisitions. They see the time is now. 
Uh, Nest is a $250 thermostat that gets poor user reviews, but great online reviews. Uh, they recently launched another product called Protect, which is a smoke and carbon monoxide alarm. Hopefully no one ever dies in a fire in their own home or carbon monoxide. Uh, the exciting thing about Nest is it has the potential to save you in energy bills. So, just things to think about. Boeing 787 was grounded in Tokyo for checks after battery vents white smoke. Uh, so far, that stock has been untouchable. And what do I mean by that? You remember a year ago, a couple of Japanese airlines, JAL, uh, grounded flights, right? The 787 had to be tested. It had to be looked at. It had to be studied. Uh, gosh darn it, we were not going to fly it until it was ready. The stock at that point in time went from... $72 a share, whoa, all the way to 65 $66 a share. And then it goes from $65 a share all the way to $140 a share. So the whole year later, the stock more than doubles, and that's how that works. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Let's get to Joe in Oakland. Joe, how are you? Doing well, Robert. Hope you're doing well today. Got a quick question about a regional bank stock companies and how you might be evaluating them, uh, what you think the best fundamentals are to compare. Thank you. Um, do you have any sort of degrees or have you studied financial analysis? Uh, a little bit. Okay. I'm an individual investor. Okay. I would say the best thing you could honestly do is, and thanks for the call, is take a class, a CFA class, uh, start studying what a CFA sort of financial analyst does. Regional banks, you know, they've been around for a good 50-plus years, um, differ like gold and clay from the bigger banks. Uh, you're obviously looking for credit channelization, credit deposit, deployment of credit, uh, deposit monetization. It's not very easy for the average person to grasp and get a good feel for. You're looking at, do they have mortgages or not? Do they have, uh, what's their book value? Uh, most people would probably go book value is the number one place to start. Um, I would prefer that you go with a good index fund, and there's plenty of good regional banking index funds. Do it for a couple years. See what you s- seem to think works versus trying to become a CFA. I've got a couple CFAs that I work with that are some of the smartest people that I know. And when you see things like um, banks writing down credit. And they're like, eh. They're going to make put billions of dollars back on their books. And they're like, yeah, but we didn't really earn that. We just saved that. We put that aside. That's fascinating to me. Um, I think there's something called safety in dollars when you start looking at regional banks. Um, Umpqua Regional Bank um, is one that's got a big Pacific Northwest feel to it. So if you also like areas like Seattle. You would see where this regional bank has, uh, you know, its strength. Do you want a southeast play in the United States? Do you want a south play? Do you want a Pacific Northwest? Do you want a west? Um, For instance, I'd prefer, you know, regional banks not in Phoenix and Vegas. I prefer them in other areas. Uh, But I would say check into Umpqua if you're looking for one good name to start comparing and compare it to Union Bank shares. Take a look at price to earnings. Take a look at price to uh, sales. Take a look at debt ratios. Um, cash on hands, return on investment, return on equity. Um, it's a comparison thing that at some point in time you're going to feel good with. 
Um, but I tend to say the average person should not. And I mean this with love and respect. Whereas Ringo Starr once said, peace and love. I mean this with peace and love, peace and love. Don't try to do too much on your own. Um, because you should be doing what you do for a career. Unless you're a CFA, then you should be picking more individual stocks. Um, you're looking for total debt. Uh, how much is owned by institutions, the dividend yield, the forward dividend yield, the trailing dividend yield, the payout ratio. Um, I don't really care about EBITDA. Quarterly revenue growth. As the jobs market increases, this so should increase. Big event tomorrow night going to be in Palo Alto. You can learn more at robblack.com. It's tomorrow night in Palo Alto, robblack.com. AM 1220. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. GM's kind of back. The automaker suspended its dividend in 2008. Stop hemorrhaging cash is reinstated a dividend. It's worthy of note. It's worthy of note for sure. Google is doing what a lot of people scream at Apple to do. Use their cash to buy companies. They're out spending their five competitors uh, pretty aggressively. So in a big deals push, they picked up Nest recently. They've had $56.5 billion in cash. Um, you know, Apple, Microsoft, Facebook, and Amazon, as well as Yahoo, have less, spent less than $13 billion there, 56 to the $17 billion that they've spent in the last two years alone at Google. So they're using their cash. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in there. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Don't be shy. Um, I know I'm not always perceived as friendly, but I'm friendly. SP 500 is up 9, the Dow's up 115, the NASDAQ up 23. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. He's with NewFocusFinancial.com, or you can find him at NewFocusFinancial.com. He's with NewFocus Financial. Talking about transitioning to a retirement portfolio, I say that you accumulate wealth from age 20 to 50, and you start managing wealth from age 50 to 100. And again, that's not set in stone, but that's the general concept. Mr. Burton, transitioning to a retirement portfolio. What's your thoughts? Well, when I walk people through this, I've got to, get to give them some general market history, which sometimes is boring, but it, it surprises me how many people Bore me. don't really realize this stuff. So the market, as you talk about all the time, is positive 70% of the time. Right. Three out of 10 years, negative. Seven out of 10 years, positive. So pretty good odds. Best odds on the planet. Right. And when you're building wealth, you know, up until your mid to late 50s, it, 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 timing the market doesn't really matter a lot. Right. The thing that you need to focus on is... The asset classes that have done really well over 10 years but are doing really poorly in the last one to three, those are the ones you should actually be buying. Um, so it's not – it's really you can control your, your asset allocation with where you're sending your, your new purchases. Give me an example of that. Well, so every three years, typically asset classes change. Um, they go through a cycle. So whether it's looking at sectors of the economy like telecom, like technology, healthcare. If you look at, uh, there's a chart that I talk about a lot called Callan Periodic Table of Investments. Right. And you can see that whether it's an asset class chart or a sector chart, that asset class or sector will be the best place to be for two to three years in a row. And within two to three years, it'll be one of the worst places to be. And so 
um, the real active wealth builder, the way they rebalance their portfolios will be changing where they're contributing their money and buying the stuff that looks like it's on sale. Where everybody else is running away from it, that's what they're buying that year. Okay? I'm with you. In retirement, timing is everything. Because if you go in, you build this balanced portfolio over these years and years of, of work, and then you just dollar cost average in reverse. In other words, you sell every month instead of buy every month. Well, if you sell during the downturns, you're selling. That is gone. That's lost potential forever. So if you would have had to sell your portfolio between 2008 and 2009 when the market was down 40-plus percent, and then you had to sell 5 or 10% to live, you're never going to recover. Right. That's gone. It's out of your portfolio forever. So that's why, and when you look back at the stock market history, there's only been two periods in a row where the market's been negative three years in a row. It runs right after the Great Depression, right. like late 30s, and then um, 2000, 2001, and 2002. The only three years in a row that we've had. We've had several two-year periods in a row, like 73 and 74, the market was down 40%. Right. Next two years, the market was up 60%. Okay. So... The volatility isn't new. It's been with us forever. It's just in your face with you know financial shows out there all the time. So the biggest point as you as you look at and you're 10 years out from retirement, one of your biggest things is, how, okay, I have a balanced portfolio. How do I get to the point where I have three years' worth of expenses, of portfolio draws, and cash? So the first thing you need to do is say, here's my expenses in retirement, and here's my automatic income from, like, Social Security and pensions. So again, a, a simple math would be if you if you need 100 grand to pay your taxes, your expenses, healthcare costs, everything, and you're getting 50 from Social Security and pensions, you know that you need 50,000 a year from your portfolio. So five years prior to retirement, you need three years of that, or 150,000 dollars in that person's scenario, in safe money. That takes out one of the biggest risks of timing in retirement, so that you you have three year cushion that you don't have to draw on the portfolio when you're in a down market. And then by the other strategies of dividend-paying stocks where they have a history of increasing their dividend on an annual basis to help fight inflation, balance portfolio, and then also having a good portion of your retirement income coming from lifetime sources that you can outlive, like Social Security or pension or your own annuitized income. We'll talk about that at seminars coming up. You can learn more about upcoming wealth preservation retirement planning seminars at robblack.com. You can find Chad at newfocusfinancial.com. He's a CFP, stands for Certified Financial Planner. It's his designation that makes him a fiduciary. He works in his client's best interest. You're listening to me, Rob Black, on the Wall Street Business Network. You can find Chad at newfocusfinancial.com. And we have the S&P 500 up 7, the Dow up 104, the NASDAQ up 20. Bank of America is in the news for a very good quarter. Uh, even though their mortgage originations were pretty poor, all things considered, uh, they still managed to quadruple their earnings. I've been saying this for three years, that uh, they got too beat up, um, and we go nowhere in the stock market without the financials leading us. Regional, national, international, um, all pretty well positioned, some more so than others. Consult a broker advisor before taking action on any stocks ever mentioned on this show. Um, you know, smaller banks... Regional banks have more risk, but also they have more upside, in my opinion. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Big event coming up tomorrow night, Palo Alto Elks Lodge. Um, look, I had some surgery this week, and I'm still doing this event. That's how much I care about these things. Um, it's a workshop. Basically, uh, you don't want to run out of money in retirement. CFP Chad Burke and myself will be running it. You want the income to last decades or as long as possible. 
before you have to start, you know, eating beanie weenies and cat food. Um, that's not the way you want to go, in my opinion. Tesla is having a positive day today. Ultimately, high-end electric cars. Um, nice to see. They gained six percent. They're trading at 170. Their quarterly figure for guidance is about 20 percent higher than expected. More than 25,000 Model S cars are on the road. That is still a very niche market, uh, but it is a market where we could talk about it as a fourth automaker in the United States. Uh, making up for a shortfall from a year earlier was a tough hill to climb for them. 6,900 deliveries in the quarter. You know, again, it's in the marketplace, but it is small. So you're now looking at enough volume in the market domestically that it, the hybrids are plug-ins. Combination of the two are now a legitimate technology option for all car makers. And it's pretty nice to see on the direction that we're going there. Um, let's see. Tesla's got a recall issue with software. I don't know. It's a story stock, and it's a beloved stock. It's not a stock you own because of good valuation or smartness based on metrics. Don't forget, you can sign up for that event at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. in the success of New Focus Financial. AM 1220 KDOW traffic continues to be quite busy commuter. to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Joining me now, Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist with Briefing.com. How are you, Mr. Rosen? Good. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Did you have a good holiday season? Yeah. Yeah, it was actually not so bad. Good, good. It's been a while since I've talked to you, so um, let's talk jobs. Uh, obviously, the 800-pound elephant in the room, so to speak. Yeah, I think the December number was disappointing. Um, I think that the headline was um, not as actually as bad as uh, you know the internal details, especially when you consider that hours dropped. Uh, basically, what we found was that aggregate wages declined a little bit in December. Thankfully, it didn't show up in the retail sales report. It makes us assume that consumers are willing to at least dip into savings or, or increase their credit in order to keep consumption growth higher. But uh, that's not a way of maintaining solid consumption growth if uh, the job market continues to stall. So now that we've put the jobs in perspective, the way I'm trying to explain it in media is it was kind of Goldilocks and it wasn't hot, it wasn't cold. It was on the colder side, but it wasn't just right either. Is that fair to say? I would say it was cold, but I would say that it's just one month. Um, you know, you really need to take a two to three month uh, trend, you know, or two month, three to two month uh, numbers in order to get a trend in order to determine where things are. 
the fact that uh, you know everyone was expecting close to 200,000 and you get below 100 and you know in normal times below 120 you know means an increase in the unemployment rate and in this case we have some uh, structural factors that are affecting the unemployment rate but you know discounting that we're you know it's not a very good um, report at all I mean there's really nothing in it that that makes it you know any sense of the word of Goldilocks. I, my feel is that if we get another month of this, you know, then we're going to start looking and going, huh, is the economy really growing at the rate that we expect it to, or are things slowing down again? Let's talk about the reaction maybe in the 10-year Treasury. Um, it seems that we've pulled back pretty aggressively, 2.9% when we were playing with 3, 3, 3 3.1. Is this a sign that the economy is seeing... You know, uh, it's not going to be robust. It's going to be less than robust. Um, is the ten-year Treasury telling us the truth, or is it is it a, a fake? I think it's too quick to look at, and just you know, a, a ten ten basis points really isn't going to do too much. What I what I'm more focused on is to see how uh, the futures market t- looks at it. Are we seeing changes in when the Fed is expected to increase rates and? What we've seen is actually uh, a move towards an increase in rates earlier than uh, it has been. I mean, right now, the Fed futures were predicting an increase in rates for the first time in April 2015. Going back to uh, September, that was uh, you know, September 2015. So we, we've gotten a lot better economic numbers that have justified, you know, a, a more, much more uh, quick rate increase than uh, than previously thought. And I think that's what we need to look, focus on. If that changes and we start seeing, you know, go back to June, July, August, September in terms of when the next rate increase is, then you're making an assumption that the economy uh, is poised to, to slow down from its current trends. It seems that we've been in the position before where the Federal Reserve has started raising interest rates a little bit too soon, a little bit too fast. Um, maybe even if you go back and study the 1930s, maybe if you go back and study the early, mid-2000s. Do you think the Fed has learned from some of their past movements and the reactions in the markets? Or do you think that we might be setting ourselves up for yet another shock to the system? No, I, I don't really know. I mean, to be honest, okay. and the problem is with quantitative easing, you don't get a really great gauge of what rates would be if quantitative easing was not in a room, was not around what would we have if we were just at the zero bound you know there's some good papers and, and i um wrote about one in in a uh, economic insight piece on our briefing.com page that uh basically calculated shadow rates that what is the fed funds rate based on uh trends in the futures markets and looking at the yield curves and they have it still at negatives. I, I don't think that you know uh, the small tapering that we've done has changed any of that. And the question is, you know, is the economy on a a solid standing regardless of what the Fed is going to do? Is, is the economy poised to to continue growing, or is this another one of those head fakes that we seem to get every uh, every time at the end of the year? So. There's a lot of reports out on a regular basis tied towards Europe seems to be a little bit better. Asia seems to be doing okay. Latin America has a lot of hits or miss in it. Is the world strong enough to have a good year in 2014, economically speaking? Uh, the consensus seems to think so. I think um, the World Bank's recent report that came out now predicts you know 3.5% growth next year, which is uh, you know considerably better than what we had this year. And 
you know things are supposed to maintain at that pace for the next couple of years. Uh, you know, the question is where, where's the trend that we're looking at? If you look at the last few months, the trends have shown that uh, you know the economy is picking up. You had 4.1% growth uh, in the third quarter. Um, not including the retail sales report that came out yesterday in today's PPI numbers, I'm forecasting a 3.4% increase in Q4 GDP and a big increase in the real final sales compared to uh, the third quarter. Now, if that's the trend that things are improving, then yeah, the growth that we're getting is is very good. We could see strong growth throughout the world. If this is another head fake, though, which you know, again, this is seasonal things that we've seen over the last five years, where the end of the year seems to be stronger than the beginning of the year, and you can make an, an argument that the seasonal adjustments aren't correct, or make an argument that uh, you know the way the seasonal adjustments need to be made or need to be changed, and that could account for what this recent growth is. It's just not real; it's just noise. And if that's the case, then you know we're still at this two percent trend that we've been at you know for the last few years. I'm speaking with Dr. Jeff Rosen, Ph.D., ChiefEconomistBriefing.com. Smart, uh, insightful, very, very useful data coming out of his mouth. I live in a very expensive neighborhood, high-end neighborhood, in a high-end city, in a high-end zip code, in a high-end county. Um, affordability of housing in my neighborhood is, it seems out of whack. Um, how does that story play out in 2014? Not necessarily on the high end with the higher interest rates. Well, it's playing out that the affordability conditions have worsened considerably, and in order to keep prices going up, you need the affordability conditions to be maintained, and either that means we need to have uh, higher income, which, you know, given the expected increase in GDP, you would expect incomes to grow at a relatively similar pace, then it could be maintained. If GDP does not grow at its, you know, its current trends, given our higher interest rates, you can't maintain sales at the current price level um, unless prices come down or we end up with another you know, bubble-type environment where people are buying houses because they assume the price will go up in the future regardless of what conditions are telling them today, and, and that would be a real problem. Right now, I'm leaning towards uh, you know, things will get a little bit easier and price growth will be a little bit less than what we've seen in the recent past, just because new supply will come online in terms of housing construction and stuff like that. But you know, it still makes a very uneasy feeling on how the housing market's going to react next year. Um, I don't know if you saw the data this morning, but GM basically said, we see about 2% growth next year. Are the autos strong enough to help offset any potential weakness in homes? 2% enough? Or... This is too vague of a question without enough research. I mean, was that 2% GDP that GM was predicting, or was that 2% growth in their sales? Sales. Okay, yeah, I mean, that, that's fairly what everybody else is, is predicting. And to get up to about $16 million next year from uh, 15.6 now, it's about a 3% increase. It would be you know, a pretty weak increase compared to the recent development in the auto sector. My concern with the auto sector is that we're living in an environment now where interest rates are going up and uh, income growth remains weak. Does that necessarily mean we're going to see increased sales 
And uh, if we don't, are we going to see an increase in dealer incentives to drop the prices down in order to pick up the sales because the rising interest rates are negating some of that? So it's going to be interesting. And, and I'm actually working on a piece right now on uh, what I think of 2014 auto sales and piecing all of everything together to see where I think uh, things can go. But, you know, 16 millions with the consensus is, I, I think it would be uh, potentially for a little less, but you could also have a potential for a little more if you have uh, some good incentives or a big increase in income. Thanks, good. We've got about a minute. Is there anything else that you want to throw out? No, I, I think just to caution again on that December employment report, um, you know, I'm, I'm concerned that the income factor fell. Uh, more than the just weakness in the payroll numbers. I think that it's just going to seem to be an anomaly in that uh, October number, or sorry, that December number is going to uh, showcase to be a stronger January. But uh, also note that the ending of the emergency unemployment benefits that expired two weeks ago will result in a big drop in the unemployment rate uh, in January, and that's not uh, real. That's going to be people leaving the, uh, the labor force, and, and I don't believe we're going to be above six and a half percent by February and that means that we've hit you know the Fed's target level when they originally said that uh, they'd start raising rates at. Thanks very much that's Dr. Jeff Rosen Chief Economist PhD with Briefing.com. Briefing provides independent live market analysis of the U.S. international markets. He referred to a piece or a section of Briefing.com that he kind of controls called Economic Insight highly recommend that you grab some of this perspective. You won't agree with everything. You're not supposed to. Don't forget you got a big we have a big event coming up Thursday evening, tomorrow evening in Bay Area Palo Alto at Elks Club Lodge. It's in Palo Alto 639. It's an income in retirement wealth preservation event. You can sign up at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. KDOW 889, a gain of 0.7%. That's a Bloomberg Market Minute. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I've always said fitness is overrated. Right? Okay, I've actually never said that. Fitness is, if you don't have your health, you have nothing. But... Diet and fitness goals are fine. I want you to improve your financial life this year. Part of that is to have an emergency fund so that when there's a true emergency, you can touch it. Um, You should have three to six months of income available for unpleasant surprises. I recently had to go under the knife for some, just I guess you'd say, it's not plastic surgery, just aging. Uh, Bone spur here, bone spur there, sore back here. Just some of the issues with aging, and uh, I could have been out for a while. Um, I've got an uncle who's just got a horrific back, horrific back that, you know, he can't get around like he used to, so that's something to be considered, you know, emergency savings. Um, 
Other things you should do is have a budget this year if you've never had a budget before. Try to become a little more financially literate this year if you don't you know, know how to talk to your spouse about money you need to this year. There's some great online tools like Mint.com, which help you create a budget. The old-fashioned way of pencil and paper is fine, but I trust all my information online. Will I eventually get hacked? I probably will. I'm not a big fan of the debit card. I'm a big fan of the credit card. I'm a big fan of looking at my statements. Um, debit has more exposure to loss than credit. The New Year is a good time to educate your family members about money, whether it be children or spouses. Um, one of the ways that we save very poorly is we keep our finances separate from each other. And then when push comes to shove, uh, we don't really know each other. So tuning your finances, it takes commitment. Just like tuning your body, it takes commitment. Um, I don't know. I don't think I really have to lecture you too much on some of this stuff. Um, I'm going to try tomorrow to hit some you know, top 20 stocks for you to look at. In 2014, I was trying to get it to it today, just flat out ran out of time. Um, and I'm a little under the weather. I rush things back, which is what I typically do. S&P 500 is up 8, the Dow's up 106, the Nasdaq's up 24. Um, Apple, Tesla, General Motors, well, General Motors is down, but Apple, Tesla, and Bank of America are higher. I'm a big fan of Bank of America, not the bank, but the stock. Do I like the bank? Whew, there's a hottie that works in my Bank of America. But, um, no, I don't really like the, the location itself. Um. So you can like stocks and not like companies. You know, my dad died of cancer, and I can tell you that Philip Morris International is intriguing. As you hear about these world growth forecasts, one thing that we do is, you know, when you're starting to get to work and digging ditches and building buildings, one of the things that we do is we, we catch smoke. Um, it's worthy of note. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Last year in real estate was very, very interesting. And let me tell you why. Because it started with the first five, six months of just crazy appreciation. Home builders pushed prices high enough to intentionally slow sales because their construction crews couldn't keep up with the pace of sales. They were worried about running out of lots. So you saw flippers come into the market. And then from June through August, you saw you know, the Fed's hint that it's going to start tapering. And some prospects for homes got a little bit more cautious. Um, in September through December, the fiscal cliff debate scared everyone. It exacerbated a normal seasonal slowdown. You know, This year, so we started hot, we ended up not so hot. This year, look for more volume in areas where there's construction. Georgia, Virginia, Illinois, Florida, Chicago, Texas. Look for more IPOs and mergers and acquisitions in the Bay Area and in the Massachusetts, Boston area. Um, there's a lot of flipping. There's a lot of people overpaying for houses. You see it. I, I saw an article recently written by a guy who's like, he's on the East Coast. He's like, what's this controversy about Google buses? And I, he, he looks into it. He's like, oh, it's about housing prices. It's not about Google employees, you know, living in the city and taking a bus down 25, 30 miles down from the city. It's about the cost that they're coming in and, and paying 20% over market. Uh, money is finally flowing to future supply. Uh, the surge in supply will barely replace the existing NPCs, master plan communities that sell out. Expensive land means detailed product and premium analysis. Land prices rose substantially 
uh, in the last six months, last four months in particular. So you're starting to see, you know, more and more studies being done about where can we build. So 2014, yeah, the debt ceiling debate doesn't look to be problematic. Some of the problems in real estate will be FHA changes. Limiting reductions will, uh, you know, eliminate FHA financing. The number of new home projects, you know, will be will be tougher to get off the ground. I think you could look for pretty good uh, appreciation if you're in the right markets. Right markets are close to jobs, close to hospitals, close to colleges. So you might be able to get two to six percent, maybe more if the market's speculative, because there is demand, as there's very limited supply. And in the areas that are hot and sexy, people are willing to overpay. So, just worthy of you know, talking this out with you. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Tesla beat expectations. Um, Apple, I'm starting to try to put some perspective on it for you. They are approaching things like Burberry. They're going for the premium experience. Uh, whereas Google's going for let's get it out there. So one's a gadget company, one's a premium gadget company. One's going to have ten gadgets, one's going to have three gadgets. Uh, that may change, but that's what it's starting to shape up as. Don't forget, i got a big event coming up tomorrow night. I'll try to be a little bit healthier for this. You want to try to avoid running out of money in retirement. CFP Chad Burton and myself will help you build a retirement portfolio that lasts decades, reduce risk strategies, in a low interest rate environment that's quickly becoming a higher interest rate environment, more normalized. We'll talk about this and much more. You can sign up at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Listen to Chad's show today from 1 to 2. New focus on wealth here on KDW 1220. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.